Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Assassin's Creed, based on the popular video game series. The film stars Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard. Uh, spoilers, we've seen the film, we'll be discussing it, we'll be dissecting it. We'll be talking about exactly how boring it is. <laughs> and uh, we, we did a whole month on video games um, last year and uh, dedicated time to every video game adaptation we could. And uh, we were hopeful for Assassin's Creed. We were hoping that this was the film that would break the video game curse. I was predicting um, World of Warcraft. Which we've also covered on the podcast since, and I don't think did. <laughs> I, I really liked it, but yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a complete miss. I, I don't know where they're going to go with that franchise, but it obviously yeah. didn't elevate video game movies to... No, uh, you know. I found it frustrating, and um, there's a whole podcast you can listen to for that, but... This film, Assassin's Creed, had a $125 million budget and so far has made $55 million. So, commercially, it's been a failure. Lloyd, Knights Templar, Assassin's Brotherhood, Apple of Eden. <laughs> Have you played the video games? Not much. I've, <laughs> I've been in the room when they've been played. I've Same. seen the gameplay. Yeah, it doesn't interest me. I, I don't like, unless it's Batman Arkham Asylum, I don't like games where you're stealth the whole time. It just, yeah. I just don't have the patience. Oh, Metal Gear Solid I like, but like a lot of that are you being stealth. But yeah, it's a real, a real patience game for sure. Uh, Justin Kurzel, Australian filmmaker, just came off Macbeth and with the same two leads... Uh, Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard gets to make this Ubisoft-produced film and Fassbender himself actually produced this as well. And I, I don't know how familiar y you are with Kurtzel. I think he has a lot of talent. I'm a huge Shakespeare fan and I've been waiting a long time to see Game of Thrones craftsmanship and budget thrown into a Shakespeare play. Uh, and he did some really interesting things with Macbeth. It just falls apart a bit for me at the end. Uh, I think he just sacrificed too much of character and story in favour for really artistic settings and shots. And unfortunately, he has absolutely no sense of humour at all. I didn't see his first uh, film, Snowtown. Yeah, I saw Snowtown. Um it was called Snowtown in Australia, but it's the Snowtown Murders for um Oh, so I'm US assuming audience. there's no comedy in that as well. <laughs> no, it's um <laughs> very bleak. Acting acting is first class in the film and it's a very moody and true story. And uh, I found it really interesting to watch. So yeah, it's a very impressive sort of debut for him and no doubt why he continues to work. I felt like Assassin's Creed, it's it's like one of those movies where they said right this film needs to be out in six months. Let's work towards that. But then as it's not working out and they're rushing it, they've got to push the delay, 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 you know, like by a year. They delayed the um, release date of this film. I, I didn't feel like they were pushed for time. I just felt they took the material way too seriously and they really thought they were making this a really deep movie when I just think this film needed to be an enjoy more enjoyable 
um, just lighten up just a little bit because you're not producing this great Shakespearean work, you know? Like, I had no idea what was going on in half of this movie. Like, the a- Apple of Eden. The, the, it's it, it, such a complicated concept. I know. Like, the MacGuffin, as Hitchcock said, is really nothing. But the problem with Assassin's Creed is the relic itself, its abilities were so confusing. It's a relic that holds the genetic road map to remove aggression in human no, beings. No, it's free will, isn't it? Yeah, so pretty much it removes free will. Yeah. That's bad, I guess, but I was never really sure what it meant for both the assassins and the Templars. Okay, so the definition of free will, and I'm with you on this, the definition of free will is the power of acting without the constraint of necessity or fate, the ability to act at one's own discretion. So basically, voluntary actions. I don't know that that's in the genetic code, right? I'm Fair enough, I'm going to go with it, but it's the ability to like decide what to do which I think is something that's evolved over time. So say that Jeremy Irons and his $3 billion a year company are successful, then they get the apple and now you're some kind of animal because you can't speak, because that's free will. You can't move of your own free will. What is their plan? I did not understand. It felt so convoluted. They just want to like wipe out the assassins? Yeah, like well, they're just going to use it on them? So Holland, the assassins are standing in the way of them getting to the apple of Eden. Once they get the apple of Eden, they're able to control the world from free thinking. Yeah, well, they won't have free will. So people will have to do what they say. They won't have voluntary action. So they themselves won't go under the... I I don't know. Okay, That's why it's so complicated. Maybe it's better explained in the game. I'm not sure this is... Anyway, okay. (laughs) If it's not explained well in a movie... That's a real problem. Like, if you don't know what the bad guy's plan was. I didn't understand why the character's mother had to die at the beginning. She was killed oh, yeah. by the father. Is that because the the company could take her and put her in the machine and she might hold really vital information so the dad killed her to make sure they wouldn't get to get to it? Yeah, she seemed in on it. Like, they sort of showed a flashback of her, like, helping push it into her neck and happy enough to die like she knew it was coming I felt like it was a bit like to show he was a fearless kid who didn't have an upbringing and like where the dad says live in the shadows it was sort of like actually well I thought it maybe would have made some more sense if it had been like a kick-ass style training like all his life he's been preparing to be an assassin or like John Connor who gets told as a small child like that he's important Like, how does that kid survive? He's like a 10-year-old kid, and of course he goes into crime and leads to incarceration, and we're only 10 minutes into the film, or already 10 minutes into the film, really, when he's on death row. Couldn't you have started with him on death row and just had all that as a flashback? Yeah. Like, I don't know why And they don't actually kill him, do they? They just knock him out, and then so the company can take him. Well, it seems like they imply that he dies, but I think you're right. Like, the company was in on it. They're getting three billion a year apparently. Yeah, so. I, I was actually thought I thought he was in a different reality at one point. I thought, oh okay, so this is like a different reality. That's his It has an afterlife yeah, feel, doesn't yeah, it? It does, it does. <laughs> so is the whole film a dream? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah the setting is never really defined because the the environment that he's in that 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 place the 
technology just seems so futuristic. I thought we were set in the future. But then at the very end when Jeremy Irons gives his speech about the Apple, it's it's a modern-day building with modern-day cars. And I'm like, okay, so hold on, just, just give me a sec to get my bearings here. You know what I mean? I, I, I just wish they had set this film in Spain during the character Aguilar's time. Uh, I thought the scenes in 1400 Spain looked spectacular. I loved it how they had it in Spanish as well, which for, to me just elevated it to a very different level. Just had then you've very... got to have the whole film in Spanish, though. Yeah, well, it just had an authoritative quality, but it's box office poison if they go down that route. And I love the action in this movie. Some of the most spectacular action scenes I've seen in a long time, like that Inquisition scene in Spain with the king, queen, and pope watching, I thought was amazing. The sheer detail was just mind-blowing. And I heard 80% of this film was shot in camera with actual stunts and locations and it didn't rely um, on CGI Um, and I think the whole movie would have been better just as a Spanish movie about these rebels trying to protect protect some ancient artifact it would have been better all right I'm going to play Hollywood executive here okay that's great uh, Lloyd that's cool Uh, so you want to set the whole film in 1492 in Spain okay that's what I want so uh, how are we going to see Michael Fassbender without a shirt on because he spends a lot of time with no shirt on when he's plugged into that Matrix machine. <laughs> oh, we, we can have scenes of him at the beach, you know. <laughs> That's the kind of thing they P- can Putting on about all you. the armor and everything like that. <laughs> uh, did you find all those modern scenes to be just really boring? Oh, the whole film's boring, confusing. Like, you know, when um, it shows that uh, Cal Lynch, I think the main character's name is, I get confused. Aguilar's the one in 1400. Cal is the one in modern day. Yeah, that's right. And his father, Brendan Gleeson, when he shows up. Collecting a paycheck, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, I was fighting the desire to snooze because I had (laughs) absolutely no idea what was going on at that point. I was like, okay, his father, that's his father, right? His father killed his mother, but I'm not entirely sure if that's right. Why is Jeremy Irons showing him the assassin's blade or something? And then there are crows flying above them. I'm assuming that's a therapy um, a technique because all these people are mentally damaged or something because they have to go in the machine. Um, I thought it was kind of like the theme thing. It's like a falcon or whatever that flies around. And why do all the inmates in that... Uh, abstergo facility keep talking in code it was just so inaccessible the whole thing i couldn't keep up with the movie and to be honest i wasn't really trying but everyone is in that prison where where he's trying to have a meal because he's really hungry everyone there is talking in code and i don't understand what's going on i don't think michael fassbender's character understands what's going on and i think at what point he just goes he says what the what the fuck or something like that and i'm just like is that comedy can i laugh <laughs> <laughs> well i've got to correct you here because as marion cotillard's character says it's not a prison lloyd sure they keep them there and make them do what they want and force them in, in and out of a machine and it's not a prison though can i run to maccas and get a big mac <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry you can't you're in prison i mean not prison <laughs> I, I thought charlotte rampling and jeremy irons had a lot of presence to them like why would you get actors of that level in this film <laughs> uh 
but they just added to the confusion and you know what was the point of Arian Lebed's character I think she's married to the director of Lobster is oh, okay is that her the, the yeah she was one of the characters in Lobster I thought she was the coolest character in the movie she's basically the the girl assassin in 1400 Spain you know the yeah. one that fights alongside the female assassin. The female assassin, point. yeah, the female yeah. assassin, and that—that's fine to have characters in there with no story or anything like that. But no story at all. <laughs> but it felt like the film wanted us to care for her, just with the way how Aguilar fights to save her, and he gets alarmed when she's in trouble and so forth. But they give us no information on her at all. So I was like, okay, so I don't have to care for her or anything like that. Wouldn't it have been better, more effective, just to build Sonic about these characters in 1400 Spain so we could care for them? I was extremely unattached to her, but then after she died, I thought, wow, I'm really not attached to these inmates either. Yeah. Like, I found it really difficult to, you know, uh, well, every character you don't get enough time with. Like, even Marion Cotillard, you're supposed to care about her backstory a bit but like she's like Michael Fassbender and there's so much in common but he's the only one you might attach yourself to which is a real problem because like you need relationships in a film and you don't get them I wrote Marion Cotillard collecting a paycheck Brendan Gleeson collecting a paycheck Jeremy Irons and then I just started just writing names and not even writing collecting a paycheck but that's I do get the impression Fassbender, while he produced this film, is really trying, and I do feel Marion Cotillard is really trying as well, but they're they're clinging at straws here. Any piece or little fragment that falls on the ground, they're just trying to make a character or emotion out of what's what's dropping here, but there's just nothing to cling on to. Like the opening scene in 1492, they're doing like a swearing-in, and it's not a powerful start. There's no action you learn, relearn, really, everything that was just in the opening text. And I understand that, like, Fassbender was involved even in the editing room. It felt like this was too long. There was a bunch of times it cut back and forth to people walking. Like that scene where Jeremy Irons is about to be assassinated. Cuts to Jeremy Irons. Cuts to Michael Fassbender. Cuts to Jeremy Irons. Cuts to the crowd. And I was just like, what am I watching? Like, just something should be happening. It didn't feel the suspense that it needed there. My gosh, let, let's talk about the device that they used to transport Cal back in time called the Animus. Why couldn't they just go the Matrix direction and just have him sit in a chair and shoot back in time? Instead, we get this giant arm that throws him around everywhere. And this is where I think Justin Kurzel's biggest flaw as a director comes in. He sacrifices practicality and story in favour for visual gratification. Having the animus as this giant arm holding Michael Fassbender just creates all kinds of questions and problems for the viewer. At first I was like, why is this machine picking him up? Like I thought it was crushing him or hurting him or something. And then once I saw what the machine was doing, I was thinking, well, if he rides a horse in 1500 Spain, will the machine simulate he's riding a horse? Like, what if he takes a crap? Will the machine simulate he's 
taking a crap? Like, if he they simply had Cal sit down in a chair and plug into a machine and then go back in time, it wouldn't have raised so many questions. But by having the animus as it was depicted in the film, yeah, it looks cool. But now you got me asking all these questions of how it's implemented and I'm taken out of the movie. Like, could you imagine him just sitting there riding a horse like he's got his eyes closed and the machine simulating he's riding a horse? He's just shaking. Yeah. <laughs> that looks well, so as, dumb. As, as well, if he runs for a kilometre, you know, does the arm move a kilometre out? I think he just runs in circles. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't quite on board with that. And also... You mentioned, like, what if he takes a crap? He has no free will in this, ironically, because when they plug him in and send him back, he's basically a voyeur. He can't change things. It's just a memory. You can't die in a dream, right? Unless he did die. And the sort of sink where they put him in and take him out and he has to want to do it is fine, whatever. But it's sort of like when they bring him out, he's, like, temporarily paralyzed and that made me think of Avatar and... and Avatar did this much better, obviously, because that's what this is. He's plugging in and taking over, but not really taking over. He's just kind of living in the body of his ancestor. Yeah, and instead of a projection of what he's seeing in those um, in those memories of his ancestor, it's actually playing out, and we see the ghosts of like the ghost images of what he's seeing and things like that. And the film has to constantly remind us, like when he's fighting hand to hand in fourteen hundred Spain, it cuts to him fighting hand to hand in the machine against all these um, ghostly images and and so forth. And it just reminds us over and over again. It was so dumb. Why couldn't they just have him plug into a chair and they're looking at a crappy TV screen of what he's seeing? Well, it was dumb that they could even see what he was seeing. It's almost like they should have plugged him in and then when he came out of it said, how was it? What happened? Oh, nothing. Also, it would have been great if when you plug him in, he then realises he can take control and change the past and that would have been an actual plot. It would have been because better can, if that was the case. He goes, oh, sorry, I don't speak Spanish. I've got no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Or if it's kind of like their memories have blurred together now because now in the present day, he has all these kung fu skills, you know, which they were his ancestors' skills. They're not his skills. The only yeah, reason he's, he could he's do got any no of that, fighting ability at all. But the reason he could do that was because he was plugged in and it was like muscle memory of what had happened to his ancestor. Mm-hmm. But then when he gets unplugged and he like runs up and scales buildings and fights and things, he shouldn't have any of those skills because when they plug him in, he's he's just living the other person's memories. He's not then learning Kung Fu like the Matrix. So it made no sense. <laughs> they see him in his private room, which they can spy on him at any time. Um, and they say he's getting stronger and better just with the way he's, um, I guess he's recalling those memories and the being infused into him physically. And it's just like, oh, he's getting stronger. And there's some really strange build up to the action. They have like Dennis Monachet, he's basically, or Monachet, uh, the French actor who was in uh, um, Inglorious Bastards, who had the three daughters. And he's trying to hide some Jew- a Jewish family under his house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's the main guard of the Abstergo Foundation. The way Kurtzel choreographs him and shoots him, he's like the main bad guy. But we never really see him engage in a fight or anything. And the most bizarre scene in the movie uh, with the climactic moment of the film where Jeremy Irons was delivering his speech about the apple and is killed by the assassin, uh, Jeremy, um, sorry, uh, 
Fassbender. Yeah. What happens there? Like the Templars have no real defense for the assassins, and they don't really pose much of a threat as villains. And Dennis Moniquet does nothing. I, I I think Kurtzel is a very poor action filmmaker, man. He, like he can make he can make some cool action scenes, but he has no idea how to build up the villains or the heroes. So they collide to a big confrontation there's none of that uh in, in Macbeth for instance he opens the film with a prologue of scrolling text in Macbeth it, it showed great signs of weakness as a filmmaker when they have to resort to those kinds of strategies I think and I mean Michael Fassbender's like Oscar nominated first class actor yeah. Marion Cotillard Oscar winner in the supporting cast is crazy so you feel like this has the ingredients to be a better film Oh, and I not to the- mention a $120 million budget. Yeah, we did mention it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's crazy, like, the Jeremy Irons company that his bad guy is running, and not a surprise at all that he's the villain. He's getting $3 billion for this technology to work, for this Apple project, you know, and if, if he's successful, I felt like then he, as well as the others, will have no free will. He'll hand this over to some faceless corporate types, and then they will take everybody's free will. Like, it's like working towards poisoning everyone around you, you know, but you don't realise you will also be poisoning yourself. What's your favourite part of the film? Look, I didn't mind all the free-fall diving stuff, but as you say, it is, like, (laughs) when you're attached to the arm, it does raise more questions. I guess I like Marion Cotillard as an actress. Yeah, she's great. I thought maybe the Brendan Gleeson cameo would have more to it, but it didn't really. There was kind of a nice... Uh, cinematography to when he runs and they go let him go and he runs to that edge yeah and the guy's like jump do it you know and he's standing on that edge i was like oh this is pretty well shot this is a nice room i guess some stuff like that but to be honest i wasn't so taken with uh 1492 spain wow okay i I thought that was the best part of the film but there was no do you mean there's just no one to hold into the characters hold on to characters Yeah. yeah yeah i mean the action was okay um but i suppose it was just like foggy and um, Hard to see what was going on. Yeah, a little bit shaky at times, but ultimately the worst thing is the apple uh, and the the plot. Like, trying to get free will was so convoluted to me. I, I didn't understand the bad guy's motivations. I mean, I, I didn't attach to anyone as characters. I found it incredibly dull. Like, like you say, like in the middle of the film, 45 minutes in, he's going in for the second time. Only the second time, 45 minutes in. It's so slow to get you in there. I think he only goes in three times total in like a nearly two-hour film. Uh, It's like one hour 40-something. When the inmates all fight back and they say, you're not alone, Cal, you never were. He was, though. They were all staring daggers at him when they didn't know what he was going to do. My favourite part of the film was actually when Cal confronts all those ghosts of the assassins. Is that what you're talking about? I was just saying the inmates, like all the other guys who are also, like, about to be lobotomized yeah, uh, assassins but they all come to his aid at the end. Yeah, and they say you weren't alone, you never were, but they kind of weren't that on his side the whole movie. Well, anyway, he, so when he, he was fighting the ghosts, you think? Yeah, I think that was my favourite part, and he realises he's part of this ancient tribe and Catillard on his team are just looking on, going, hold on, this isn't a memory, this is happening right now. And uh, I thought it looked amazing, and the music and the lights just made it seem very eerie. Um, I, I wasn't quite sure what was happening there, but I think it's just 
the revelation of how important this Assassin's group or <laughs> the Assassin's Creed is, you know, to the world and what they stand for, whatever that is, protecting some apple or, or, or whatever. I, I, I thought that was a pretty eerie moment. Okay, my favourite bit maybe was when he didn't catch the helicopter at the end. You know how he's like scaling up and running to get it? And I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't catch this helicopter that's taking forever to take off. <laughs> and when he didn't catch it, I was I was fine with that. Don't <laughs> it seemed he, ridiculous. He's got, um, uh, what's his name, Denis Monaquet, um to protect the helicopter. There was nothing that was <laughs> going to happen there. <laughs> you know when they say we're going to purge the facility? I really thought they were going to blow it up, but they didn't. Like, they have the apple, they're escaping. Blow the facility up, you don't need it. Anyway, that would have saved you being assassinated. As well, when Jeremy Irons dies, even his daughter is emotionless. Marion Cotgar yeah. is like, eh. <laughs> that, that whole sequence just had a... just The whole thing about it was just off, man. Like, how there was no guards to protect this, this billion-dollar company and this assassin can just waltz through and kill him and no one's chasing after the assassin and the apple's gone, something that they spent hundreds and hundreds of years chasing. Like, surely they could have got a you know, a, a fake replica in there and the real orb is actually in a secured location or sunny. It was just, I didn't understand what was going on there. And Jeremy Irons dies and Marion Cotillard acts, her reaction just isn't sunny that you'd expect, how you'd expect it to react. Um, it's The whole film is taking on its own laws and rules that we have no familiarity with or understanding. And there's an actual line that Jeremy Irons says where he says in his speech, a future purged of the Assassin's Creed. Is he referring to this film that he's in right now? <laughs> <laughs> what, you got all the assassins in this um, hospital or prison or whatever. You can just kill them all right now. Yeah, you know, get a gun. We'll yeah. do it together. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> hey, you on, don't get it, do you, <laughs> <laughs> you got to let the assassins escape so that they come after me and try and get the apple. And then back and forth, we'll steal the apple, they steal the apple. Who cares? My goodness. I was thinking about it like Source Code is a much better kind of plug-in video game movie, you know? Or The Matrix. Matrix is a better version of this too. Uh, Avatar is a better version of this. This is not a good version of a kind of Avatar-esque story. Um, even just ignoring the video game completely. Because you could have had... As you say, the whole thing take place in Spain. It could have just been the assassin stuff. And then at the end, he could have just unplugged and been like, let's do that again or something, and then end. <laughs> and then everyone who watched the video game would have been like, or played the video game would have been like, awesome, you know, acknowledging all the elements of the game. But as well, it was just a story set in Spain, but you'd never get it because of the um, the foreign language. I think, uh, they, I think they went wrong choosing, they just chose the wrong director to begin with, I think, and just taking it too serious. And See, I, I kind of want to defend him a bit because I feel like it's the script that's bad. Uh, the director gets all the blame. <laughs> yeah, but there are three writers on this. It's Michael Leslie, uh, Adam Cooper, and Bill Collage, or College, and then three uncredited based on the video game series created by people. But he's picking up a script. He's basically, it's a payday for him. Because you would direct this film. After Macbeth, they offered him Assassin's Creed. They said, work on this. And he said, oh, Fassbender, do you want to work on this? And he went, yes, signed on. Suddenly you're committed. Now the wheels are in motion. And you're getting actors like Marion Cotillard, Jeremy Irons. People are signing on for their paychecks. Obviously, 125 million stretches to all of them as well. But now you're just 
kind of in damage control trying to make the best film you can because I think the script wasn't very good to start with. Maybe it wasn't even written when he signed on. And then I think he's just done his best with what he has. Well, if that's the case, then you absolutely can blame the director for taking the paycheck and directing the film. I mean, because the script was bad and he's choosing to take the film on for a paycheck, I don't think he can get a pass. Michael Fassbender did produce this. He did want to do it, and Cazell himself brought in his brother to compose the music. He brought in his main DOP, Adam Arkapar, to shoot it, and his top-level cast that he used in Macbeth. I think he put everything he had into the film. Unfortunately, that serious attitude that he approached Shakespeare with just doesn't work for this film. This isn't material where every word should be looked at as if it was a Shakespearean text and you need that reverence and that seriousness. By taking it too serious, Assassin's Creed becomes so convoluted and boring when this should have been a simple film about a group of people protecting an ancient relic, and it should have been fun. But I don't think that's in Justin Cazell's uh, toolbox, and he was the wrong person to direct this movie. The Matrix, for example, had a lot more humour in it. The characters were much more accessible, and it was so much more fun. Hmm. You think more Doctor Strange like? <laughs> I don't know something. As you said, Dave, they're in trouble from the get go with just a a plot that wasn't clear and an objective that wasn't clear at all. Well, uh, Justin Kurzel, the director, is down to do two new films. I'll pitch them both at you, and you tell me which you'd rather see. So uh, this drama thriller Haven. It says plot kept under wraps, described as a psychological thriller set in a mental facility. So he's already shot the mental facility in this film. <laughs> he's got that down. Uh, some of the same... Uh, Michael Leslie, same sort of writers who did Assassin's Creed as well. And uh, the other one is The Siege, which is a team of armed Pakistani militants stage a terrorist attack at the Taj Mahal Palace Hotel in India. I'd go The Siege any day. I'm staying yeah. well away from anything that resembles Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> With um, video game movies now, it's been a couple of years since we've done Video Game Movie Month. I just wanted to ask you, Dave, what, has anything changed to what you think is the best video game movie adaptation? Are you still sticking with Street Fighter? I mean, Street Fighter, I will just say I enjoyed for like comedy reasons too. <laughs> it's a guilty it's, um, pleasure. <laughs> a guilty pleasure movie, exactly. They've really struggled, uh, but I think there is a beacon of light, Lloyd, in Tomb Raider. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, Alicia Vikander is going to play Tomb Raider, and ironically, I think she was dating Michael Fassbender. They did The Light Between Oceans together. It's based on an already successful enough video game series. I think that's the hope for video game movies because, I mean, let's be honest, the Angelina Jolie one was okay, and they're going to maybe, hopefully reinvigorate the franchise here with her because she's a credible actress and it's a you know a decent kind of story with obviously some eye candy and uh an iconic outfit an iconic game i'm hopeful um anything for you i'm still going to go with mortal Kombat, 
as my favourite video game movie. I think everyone's nuts. Everyone talks really ba- uh, down about that film. How it's a really crappy film. I thought it was a fantastic action martial arts action movie. I don't know what people are going on about. Um, and I really like Street Fighter, uh, the animated movie. But if we're not including anima- animation in this, I'll definitely stick with Mortal Kombat. With video game movies they have actually been successful. I keep forgetting to bring this up, but the Resident Evil franchise, they're up to six or seven, you know, and each of them have gotten a theater release. They're not like they've gone straight to video. So it, Video game movies have been very successful. Whether the question is, can they make a good one, a, a really good one, um, and that's yet to be seen. Although I thought World of Warcraft was pretty good, it, <laughs> uh, everyone else hated it. And <laughs> and um, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, Tomb Raider definitely does have the ingredients to be a solid action movie, which they could probably make a franchise like Resident Evil out of. I think we're forgetting Angry Birds that's come out since we did uh, Video Game Yeah, but was that good? That that film just disappeared. I was trying to follow it, but after it came out, it just disappeared. So I'm assuming it didn't do too well. Well, I'm hoping the listeners of Podme, if you can, will tell us. So uh, you guys can find our Twitters. You can find our Facebook. Everything is at www.podmeifyoucan.com. You can tell us what your favourite video game movie is or if we're forgetting something obvious like Resident Evil. I really enjoyed the Resident Evil games, by the way, Lloyd. I love Um, it. It's one of my favourites, yeah. Yeah. um, Really good franchise, really good series. I haven't kept up with the films, though, so I don't know whether or not they've deteriorated in quality. I didn't see past the first one. I think I've watched two and maybe three. I can't remember if I've seen much of three. Definitely two. You can drop us a line. You can find us. We're available. We'll chat. And uh, we have a YouTube channel as well where we do obscure film reviews. Uh, They're always a film with somebody famous in them and um, you won't have heard of them. I've recently watched one um, with uh, Ethan Hawke from his 1991, really early on. Uh, We're looking at some of the cast of Friends at the moment and uh, putting together a Friends Month. Uh, or full of obscure films with the cast of Friends in them. Uh, what have been some of your favourites uh, on the YouTube channel, Lloyd? Oh, geez, there's so many bad ones. I'm trying to think of a good one. <laughs> uh, I watched a terrible Dean Cain one recently, which I look forward to to putting out. It's so rare to find a good one, I suppose, because the fact is they're obscure for a reason. You won't have heard of these films, despite the fact they have someone famous in them, because they're not amazing films. And there are very common traits throughout all of them. So it's sort of a fascinating journey. And terrible um, transfer quality with these DVDs as well because quite often we're reviewing movies in these 10-packs. Um, of, of DVDs and the the video quality, the transfer, just no effort has been put to it. It's it's even worse than VHS in a lot of cases. There's quite a few that are well worth a look. And even if you don't enjoy the film, hopefully you'll enjoy us uh, pointing out what's wrong with the film or what's right with the film. It really feels like after the five-minute review, you feel like you've seen the film. You get the gist of the idea of the film. Um, sometimes with some spoilers. Sometimes we'll talk about an ending of a film, but we'll hopefully try and warn you when we do. Uh, Next time on Podme, if you can, we'll be talking about Logan. The final, fingers crossed, not final, but final film with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. You know, we've we've covered a bit of him on this podcast as well, and we have high hopes for it, especially with an R rating, Lloyd. Yeah. Um, In Deadpool territory. Deadpool territory, exactly. Um, So, back into the the action of Logan next and uh, let us know what you thought about Assassin's Creed hit us up on Twitter or on the Facebook page you can find it all at podmeifyoucan.com Podme If You Can
get it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews.